0: Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO ball podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And we had an incredibly exciting conference semifinals that has finally wrapped up and we have four teams left, the Warriors versus the Blazers, as well as the Raptors versus the Bucks. Uh, That... Conference finals, conference semis, I should say, was quite exciting. One of the best in recent memory. The Warriors beat the Rockets in six games uh, without Kevin Durant in Game Six, which is quite an entertaining game. We had the Blazers beating the Nuggets on the road in Game Seven, uh, where the Nuggets were actually up 17 at one point at home, and the Blazers pulled off the win thanks to a 37-point performance from CJ McCollum. We had the Bucks beating the. Celtics in five games, which was, I would say, the least entertaining of the four, although still a fairly decent series. And finally, we had the Raptors beating the Sixers in seven games. I predicted the Raptors to win in six, but thanks to that incredible Game 7 shot from Kawhi Leonard over Joel Embiid, we've got our conference finals set. So we're going to do a little preview here, just like we did For the last four series, two in the West, two in the East, we're going to do the Warriors Blazers conference finals preview and the Raptors Bucks conference final preview as well. So let's start off here with Warriors Blazers. So, the Warriors starters, I believe, will be Curry Thompson, Iguodala Green, and Bogut. Again, uh, with the news that Kevin Durant has a calf strain, he won't be available for for at least Game 1 and Game 2 of this series. So, that's something to keep in mind with the starters there for the Warriors. And as for the Blazers, we've got Lillard McCollum, Eminu Harkless, and what I believe will be the starter is Zach Collins instead of Enos Kanter. And we'll get into a little bit why I think that will be the case. So, We'll do the keys for both teams as we've done on the rest of the uh, conference finals previews and series previews. So, first off, the keys for the Blazers. First key for the Blazers is going to be, for me, is going to be defending the motion offense. So, as I mentioned, no Kevin Durant for the first two games of the series. And if you took a look back to game six of the Rocket Series, uh, Warriors Rocket Series, without Kevin Durant, you saw the Warriors go back to a lot more of that motion ball movement offense that we saw. Uh, in 2015-2016 before uh, the Warriors had KD. So that was the, the version with, again, Bogut who was back on the team, obviously, but with Harrison Barnes in the Kevin Durant role. So, that involves a lot more Curry pick and roll with Draymond. And we saw that in the fourth quarter of Game 6. And that It's it's a very hard action to defend. I mean, if let, let's face it, if you start to trap Stephen Curry, which is the natural read because of how great of a shooter he is, Curry's very well uh, capable of making that short roll pass to Draymond, and Draymond will be able to get the ball in those 4-on-3 situations where he's a, a great decision maker. So he can decide to throw the lob uh, to one of the bigs or Andre Iguodala, or he can kick out to one of the shooters in the corner. He just makes that read, and whatever that read is, he's going to... Make the correct one and so that's going to be very tough for the Blazers uh, to defend I think defending that action specifically is going to be tough and then more split cut actions uh, on that as well so what I mean by split cut actions is you throw the ball into Andre Iguodala or Draymond Green and then Clay and Curry basically just set little off ball screens for each other and read the situation so whether it's Clay or Curry cutting back door to the rim or whether one flares to the three-point line or they use the off ball screen for each other It's such a hard action to defend, and it really has been their bread and butter throughout the years, even with uh, KD on the roster. So it's going to be important for the Blazers to defend those actions. And the reason it's so important is because the Blazers don't force turnovers whatsoever. Uh, They were eighth out of eight teams in of the teams in the conference semifinals. They were eighth out of eight in forcing turnovers. And so if you can't force turnovers and force Golden State into mistakes, then your only choice is to actually communicate and defend at a high level. And that's going to be a tough task for the Blazers, holding them in check because let's face it, their personnel, uh, isn't the greatest to be able to stop those type of actions. So defending motion offense, defending that ball movement offense is going to be key for the Blazers to try and win this series. Uh, the second key here I've got for the Blazers is their centers. So let's go through all three real quick. So Ennis Canner Ennis Kendrick survived the Nuggets series, I would call it. He survived it, um, but he's going to have to be much better defensively, recognizing, recognizing warrior screens, uh, stepping up to challenge shooters, things of that nature. Uh, he might have been able to de- barely survive in the one on one matchup uh, with Jokic, in my opinion, and maybe got away with a few mistakes, you know, not challenging Denver shooters. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray might have got open for a few, uh, uh, Gary Harris as well. But you can't evo- you you can't afford to make those mistakes against shooters like Curry and Clay Thompson. They're just too good as shooters. And the way Enes Kanter stays on the floor essentially is the same way he's done it throughout the playoffs, and that's being a beast on the offensive glass, getting rebounds and setting good screens for CJ and Dame to get open shots. So we'll see how he fares there. Although I think personally he's going to be coming off the bench uh, with Zach Collins starting. Um, the third center out will be Myers Leonard, who's. Pretty much been largely ineffective defensively throughout the the series against the Nuggets and in the playoffs in general. And the way he stays on the floor is basically by hitting threes at a high clip, uh, which is something he hasn't done thus far. So unless, unless that changes, I don't foresee a lot of Myers Leonard in this series unless it's, you know, break glass in case of emergencies type of situation. And so the guy I have starting here is Zach Collins, who's very interesting. So in Game 7, he was awesome. Uh, he was extremely, extremely good in Game 7 as a rim protector, as a, a guy that got a couple of assists, um, and someone who can hit elbow jumpers, things of that nature. Now, he does foul quite a bit, and that's something he's going to have to clean up, especially like if you've got... Uh, Cantor and Myers-Leonard as the guys that are coming in behind him. He's going to have to be disciplined and try not to foul a lot, but I suspect he's going to get some crucial minutes in this series, and if he's not provided, but if he's not providing any value as a help pro- defender, if he's not providing help value as a help defender, not providing value as a rim protector, or someone who can't defend pick and roll in space, then he largely falls into the same category as Myers-Leonard uh, given the fact that he doesn't hit the race at a high clip either, so He's going to have to do those three things or at least a combination of a couple of those things. But despite that, I I wouldn't be surprised if Terry Stotts decides to play Collins over Kander uh, in the starting lineup. So we'll see how that goes. But um, the Blazers' centers are going to be key because, again, with those pick-and-roll actions, uh, the, those centers are going to be involved quite a bit. And when Curry and Thompson come off those screens and the big is sagging back in the paint, you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to go to that drop pick and roll coverage and play that and give up mid-rangers, or you're going to decide to play high and make sure that those bigs are contesting those shots uh, at the three-point line. It's going to be interesting to see the way that the Blazers choose to play that defensively. So the last key I got here is very simple. There's no stats to back this up. But Dame and CJ have to be the best guard duo in this series. They have to, Dame and CJ have to outplay Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And there's no stats necessary for this. I mean, CJ, but CJ has been spectacular in these playoffs. Not only in the Nuggets series, but against Oklahoma City as well. He had an underrated series. Uh, Dame was unbelievable in the first round against OKC, but only really had his moments uh, uh, against the Nuggets, uh, specifically that Game 6 where he went for third. 32 and force the game seven. But both of those guys have to play consistently well in this series uh, in the third and in the third round if they want to have a chance to win. Um, because we know the pedigree of uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson as a defender is unbelievable, and he's gonna see time on both Dame and CJ, and they need to be as and Dame and CJ need to be as good or better than Curry and Clay if they want to win this series, and it's just it's as simple as that to me. So now here keys for the Warriors. Um, the first key I got for the Warriors is simply just don't beat yourself. Uh, Warriors turned the ball over so much in that Rocket series. And I think it was, what, 14 per game is what I have the stat here. That sixth out of the eight teams in the conference semifinals. There were times where they cleaned that up a little bit. Uh, as the series went on, they cleaned it up a little bit, but we know that the Warriors are prone to throwing the ball away at times, and that's been one of their uh, cracks in their armor. I mean, if there is a way to beat the Warriors, you got to get them on a night A where they're not shooting well or B where they're turning the ball over or both. So if you're the Warriors, just take care of the ball. Don't beat yourself, and already you've eliminated a big crack and a big opportunity for the Blazers to try and win the series through your own mistakes. A second key for the Warriors here for me is to just take the ball out of the hands of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I mean, those are the only two guys that are going to beat you. No one else is going to hit six, seven, eight threes. I mean, maybe Seth Curry could. Maybe Rodney Hood could. But, I mean, Rodney Hood doesn't look like he's going to be available to start the series anyway. So, if you're forcing Aminu, Harkless, Turner, Myers-Leonard, etc. to hit shots, Zach Collins... Uh, Dennis Kanter to hit shots you're going to be in great shape because you're not going to get an incredible explosion performance from many of those guys offensively most likely so if you're living and dying with other guys beating you outside of Damon CJ I think that if you're the Warriors you can hang your hat on that and feel pretty good that those guys won't have in, uh, too many explosion nights in this series and uh, I think that's probably a good strategy for them. So last thing for the Warriors is just get something from your bench. I mean, between Quinn Cook, Sean Livingston, Kevon Looney, um, Alfonso McKinney, Jordan Bell, Jonas Jarebko, they've got to get something from one or two of these guys per game. And now not all of these guys will play in every single game, but I think it's going to be important to just get a little bit from those guys and just survive the minutes when they get on the floor. Uh, I think the key is not to put a bad mixture of those guys that will bleed minutes out. So we saw in the Rocket series for, you know, four or five minute stretches, they played Jurebko and McKinney together, and that was just a disaster. And usually the common guy that in those combinations of minutes is Jurebko. So maybe you don't want to play him too much, probably want to avoid playing him as much as possible in that series, but there's more questions here. I mean, is Boogie Cousins going to come back? I mean, he they said that he was going to be ready around this time. Should he come back? So is Boogie Cousins going to be back? What about KD? Is KD going to come back in games three or four? If they get one or two of those guys back, it becomes really even easier for the Warriors to limit uh, the liabilities on the bench, you know, being Jarebko and Bell at times and McKinney at times, and allows them to play, you know, guys like Boogie Cousins and KD and instead, which is obviously an incredibly big upgrade. So we'll see how those guys fare and whether or not they come back. But I think if you can get just a little bit of something out of a combination of those guys off the bench for the Warriors, I think you're going to be in good shape and again, well, well off and well equipped to win this series. So my prediction for the series, I think the Warriors are going back to the NBA Finals once again. I'm saying that the Warriors will win in five games. Uh, I just The Blazers just seem completely overmatched to me across the board, uh, barring some explosion every game from CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard. I just don't see the Blazers having a chance uh, to win this series. They just seem to be overmatched uh, at every position in my opinion. So again, I think the Warriors will beat the Blazers in five games. Alrighty, on to the Bucks versus the Raptors. So, the Raptors starters, I think, largely stay the same with Lowry, uh, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Marcus Sol. And I think the Bucs starters will stay the same as well. Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Mirotic, and Brooke Lopez. So, let's we'll start off here. Keys for the Raptors. So, just like any series, the key for the Raptors number one is how do you defend Giannis? Uh, the Celtics... Uh, in the past series showed some success building a wall in transition uh, with three guys basically not uh, allowing Giannis to get to the rim uh, without any major resistance which proved to be effective now the Bucks did a little bit of a counter to that where they had some of their shooters run down the floor before Giannis took the ball in a one-on-three situation and that basically put some cracks in that wall because you had to kind of you know cheat off of you know that Giannis wall in transition and kind of have your eye on a couple of those shooters in the corner, and I think that the Bucks will probably go to that. But barring that adjustment, I do think that you know building that wall around Giannis is going to be key to stopping him in transition. Uh, the Bucks run uh, in transition on about 25% of their possessions, and that was the most of any team in this playoffs. Uh, so if you can slow down Giannis's transition attack, you can slow down a large portion of the transition attack for the Bucks, and I think that that's going to be key. Um, As for who guards Giannis, I mean, the obvious option is your best defender with Kawhi Leonard. But if you think logically, asking Kawhi to score on a high volume and defend a nearly impossible force in Giannis Anadokounmpo while playing 40 minutes a night is an extremely tall task. And I, I, I just don't believe that that's going to be feasible for the Raptors to put that much pressure on Kawhi to kind of do everything on the floor. And so I think Giannis... I, sorry, I think Kawhi will see time on Giannis. Don't get me wrong. But I think Siakam is going to be the primary defender, defender which is how they played it in the regular season. You know, Manny, maybe Danny Green sees some stretches. Kawhi is going to see some stretches. Maybe even Marc Gasol sees some stretches. I mean, we saw Al Horford play uh, Giannis fairly well um, in the series against the Celtics. So maybe Gasol... Maybe Gasol we'll see some times on Giannis, but overall, they're going to give him different looks. I don't think one guy is the right answer right now. We'll have to see how the series shakes out, but I think just kind of throwing different looks on Giannis, seeing what works, and then kind of adjusting on the fly is probably the way that the Raptors are going to have to go. But defending Giannis, it always starts there. Defend Giannis and then worry about everybody else afterwards. Second key for the Raptors to me is just shoot your open shots, man. Like, <laughs> so many hesitant... Uh, players like Gasol, Siakam, Lowry—all of those guys were tentative to shoot, uh, shoot the ball and that can't happen during this series. I mean, the Bucks like to play that drop pick and roll coverage. I mean, we saw in that Celtics series how many pick and pop opportunities with Kyrie and Horford were they able to get and, you know, the Bucks were living with that sort of stuff. So, if you're Marcus Cole, you're going to get a lot of those pick and pop opportunities whether it's in the mid-range or from 3 and they're going to have to take those looks because those are probably going to be the best looks that you're going to get on any given possession even if those looks come early in the shot clock. I mean it's natural for Gasol off pick and pop opportunities to you know kind of look for the better play, look for, you know, pa- pass up a good shot to get a great shot sort of mentality, but I I think that in the playoffs when you get to this stage, sometimes a good look ends up being the best look you get in any given possession and I think the faster guys like Lowry and Gasol realize that the better and that, I mean, that brings me to Lowry. Lowry again, hesitant shooting from three. I mean, if he comes off that screen and you know Brook Lopez is sagged back six, seven, eight, nine, ten feet off of him, he's got to he's got to step into that three and just make the simple read. As for Siakam. You know, above the break, you can see in the Sixers series that the Joel Embiid was completely ignoring him. Uh, they chose to just leave him and you know basically just not pay attention to him whatsoever. Siakam definitely should take his corner looks. I agree with that. Um, and you know just test some test some shots above the break. I don't think it's going to kill you to make to shoot some above the break threes. Just as long as you're not making it your you know go to shot on any given possession, but. He should probably look for his opportunities off of you know driving above the break and then shooting those open shots in the corner in this series. Uh, and you know if we can get a good series out of Siakam, I think the Raptors are going to be in good shape because uh, he was a little bit hesitant uh, as the series went on against the Sixers. Third key I've got here for the Raptors is securing the defensive glass. Uh, securing possessions with a defensive rebound for the Raptors is extremely important on a number of levels. So not only does it limit the second chance points opportunities for the Bucks, but it also allows the Raptors to get out in transition, which they scored very effectively against the Sixers on. Uh, so the Bucks, I think we're about middle of the pack looking at the NBA.com stats. We're about middle of the pack in second chance points and a little bit lower in the defensive rebound category. But just the but I mean, can't you just picture the thought of Giannis just beasting and grabbing defensive rebounds over some of the smaller Uh, size players of the Raptors. I mean, outside of, you know, Marcus Gasol, you're looking at the next biggest guy being Pascal Siakam. And then, you know, the, the floor kind of shrinks from there. So I can really picture that happening. You know, uh, Brooke Lopez tends to kind of be out there uh, by the three point line. So I don't foresee him being getting too many offensive rebounds, but it's mainly guys like uh, guys like Giannis that are going to be beasting on the offensive glass. And you got to box guys like that out. So, That threat of Giannis really beasting on the offensive boards and uh, being out-hustled, out-hustling the Raptors, I should say, uh, two rebounds on the defensive glass feels very real to me, and I think that that is a major issue there. So, last key I got for the Raptors here is just make your open threes. I mean, we know uh, Ben Falk of cleaning the cleaning the glass wrote sort of a great piece on how the Bucks gave up the most threes in the NBA. We know they gave up a lot of threes, so the opportunities are going to be there, and you just got to take advantage of it. Shoot your shots and live with the results. I mean, Rachel Nichols on the jump says it all the time. It's it's a make or miss league, and that's I think that's going to come true quite a bit in this series as well. So now we got keys for the Bucks here. Um, my first key for the Bucks is probably keep the Raptors out of transition. Uh, the Raptors ran on, in transition on about 18.7% of their possessions. That was only second behind the Bucks, as I mentioned. The Bucks ran on 25% of theirs. Uh, so with Kasol, Lowry, Siakam, etc., being hesitant to shoot, as I mentioned. Uh, it really limits their effectiveness in the half court. So if you can force you know 90% of Toronto's possessions in the half court, that's going to help the Bucks tremendously. Especially if the Raptors continue this bad habit of you know passing up open shots. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to have a lot of success if they can find a way to keep the Raptors in strictly half court offense. Uh, another key here I got for the Bucks is to win the bench minutes. Um, I think the bench is a lot deeper for the Bucks. Than it is the Raptors. And so uh, right before I came on, uh, on my account, Terrio3D, I had a little uh, just quick uh, Twitter back and forth with uh, Matt Moore of HP Basketball uh, over there at the Action Network. Uh, I made the argument uh, briefly, you know, really without looking at the numbers to my own detriment, that Giannis uh, was more, uh, kind of more important than his team, than Paul George was to his. And he, he brought up the point, look at the on-off numbers with, Paul George and with Giannis. I mean, we're getting a little, a little bit off topic here, but Giannis with that Giannis on the court numbers were great, and Giannis off the court was was still good. While Paul George's numbers on the court were great, and Paul George's numbers off the court had Oklahoma City looking absolutely atrocious. So, I mean, getting back to Giannis, I mean, the fact that Giannis off the court had the Bucks' numbers uh, still looking good in terms of offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating. Just goes to show you how good that the Bucks bench actually is. And it's a clear advantage for them in this series. I mean, George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, Ersan Ilyasova, who again, you can expect to take a lot of charges in this series. He's kind of the big version of Kyle Lowry in that instance, if you will. So I mean, George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, Ersan Ilyasova, Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, all of these guys are viable options off the bench um, for for the Bucks and They're not just guys that, you know, just kind of hold the road. Like, they increase leads against the other team's benches, which is you know why they're so good and why the numbers with Giannis off the court are so good. And so, you have to win those bench minutes. You have to win those bench minutes. I mean, for the Raptors, you're looking at Fred VanVleet, Norm Powell, Serge Ibaka, maybe Pat McCaw. I mean, that probably means more Ibaka Gasol minutes for the Raptors, but if the Bucks lose the bench minutes to the Raptors bench, it means something has gone very wrong and it means it's Advantage Raptors, in my opinion. So, uh, if you're the Bucks, you got to win those bench minutes because with their bench compared to the Raptors bench, the Bucks bench to me has a clear, clear advantage. And the last thing I've got for the Bucks here is just to slow down Kawhi. If you can keep Kawhi to an off-shooting night or even just a slow-shooting night. Uh, you you saw what happened in the Sixers series. The Raptors showed that reliable scoring is incredibly hard to come by. If Kawhi is having an off night, mind you, he didn't have really have too many off nights. But I think just the fact that even w- when Kawhi had it going, the Raptors you know outside of just a couple of you know teen performances, 16 here from Gasol, 17 from Ibaka in Game Seven, they have a hard time. Supporting Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi Leonard has it going, and if he doesn't have it going, that's even worse. So, if Kawhi isn't scoring, that means the Raptors' way to win is to to play defense to win the game, and no one else is going to replace Kawhi's production. So, if you can really limit the Raptors' ways, to score and you know keep them one dimensional in terms of the ways that they have to play to win this series. I think again that the Bucks are going to have a massive advantage over the Raptors. So not just not stopping Kawhi because just like Giannis, you can't stop Giannis. You can't stop Kawhi. But if you can just slow him down and make him have, you know, kind of an average to off night, I think you put yourself in good shape if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. So My prediction for this series, and keep in mind I am a Raptors fan, so this pains me to say, but I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks do have home court. Um, The Bucks have been a cohesive unit all year, and they've shown very little cracks in their armor. They've shown very little ways that you can beat them, in my opinion. Uh, Their bench is deeper. I believe that Giannis is a better player than Kawhi, so their best player is better. And their defense is just so good that I can just see the Raptors having a lot of trouble to score, especially with their hesitancy. So despite all that, though, no, I think the Raptors do make this a series. I think that the Bucs have had it a little bit easy. Uh, I don't think the Celtics pose much of a challenge, uh, and the Pistons definitely didn't pose a challenge to the Bucs at all. So this is the re- this is the real test, and I do think that the, the Raptors are going to come out and shock the Bucks a little bit. A li- Shock the Bucks a little bit. I think that the Raptors do have uh, ways they can score if the if the Bucks start lacking uh, defensively and can't keep the Raptors out of transition. I think that that's going to help them out a lot. I think we've yet to see the prime Raptors offense here. I still, th- I, although I do think this is going to be a tough series for the Raptors to score. I think the Raptors offense does have another gear which we have yet to see in this series, specifically from the non-Kawhi Raptors. And so if they can tap into that potential, I do think that the Raptors can and I think they will make this a series. So we'll see how we'll see how this goes. Kawhi looks amazing. I do think he's going to be able to win them a couple of games, but in the end I don't think it's going to be enough and I think that the Bucks having game 7 on their home court is going to matter and that's ultimately why I'm picking the Milwaukee Bucks in 7 games. So thanks for listening to the Conference Final pro- uh preview, I guess, preview, breakdown, whatever you want to call it. Um, We'll see how this series goes, and we'll see what combination of these teams makes the NBA Finals, and uh, be be on the lookout for more NBA Finals content as well. So last year what I did is, at the time, I was actually unemployed at the time. (laughs) But now that I actually have a job and am happily employed, it's going to be a lot harder for me to replicate the type of content that I was doing last year for the NBA Finals. So if you go back and look at the YouTube channel, search my name Derek Terrio, uh, that's T-H-E-R-R-I-A-U-L-T, and first name Derek, D-E-R-E-K. If you go search my name up on YouTube, you'll see that I did a breakdown for all four games For the Warriors Cavs in last year's NBA Finals with breakdowns after each game. I don't know that that's going to be feasible given how late I'm going to have to stay up to try to make that happen, but I definitely will be expanding the amount of content that we're going to do for the finals, you know, given the fact that each game is such a high magnitude and, you know, deserves uh kind of a review especially when we look back in history on you know how the series ended up so you can be sure to look out for some of that content i'm not sure exactly how that's going to work yet but expect some relatively game-to-game content uh for the finals whenever that decides to come about so thank you so much for listening once again be sure to look out uh, for the social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, if you get your podcast there, as well as YouTube, which I just recently posted the Chris Paul step out uh, move breakdown. So if you didn't uh, get a chance to take a look at that, uh, have a look at that before the game start. And obviously, I'm recording today on the day of the draft lottery, so maybe some content will come up uh, on that. And obviously some draft content during the summer will come out as well, but maybe a review of the draft lottery and who knows, maybe, the, maybe there'll be some surprises. We, we never know how that turns out. So once again, thank you for listening. That's the third time I've said it, my goodness. But I promised last time. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great one.